Hey, welcome to the show. This is Hip Hop Numbers. Proudly independent, as always, as is my guest this week. So, another story about the beauty of independence. How you going, man? Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, no problem. How you feeling today? I feel good. I feel good. I woke up. I slept like shit, so I woke up hella tired. But uh, I got my workout in. Um, I'm actually shooting a music video today, too. I'm shooting a whole bunch of content and shit today. So What's, I'm doing good. What song? What song are you doing it for? I did a freestyle over... Did you hear um, Outside by Boogie and uh, Joey Badass? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, I did a freestyle today. Okay. Is that is that gonna come out officially or is it just gonna be like a YouTube kind of thing? Um no, I'm not gonna officially release a no, nah, because that's that's their somebody else's beating shit, so no. Nah. What's the deal mm-hmm. with that? Like I don't understand why people aren't doing that anymore. People aren't freestyling with other people's beats as much anymore. Well, I think for one, the reason that people used to freestyle over beats is because dope producers were hard to come by. You know, back like even when I started rapping, like 10 years ago, 2011, every other person you knew didn't make beats how they do now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you had to find, you had to like go on YouTube and find somebody else's beat to, to make some shit, you know, where, and, and, and then also like after that, like I remember when Chance, um, when Chance did like brain cells and shit and he, he did a live version of whatever, uh, I don't know if it's P rock or whoever produced that shit, the original, we thought that, like, since we replayed it, that it wouldn't be considered a sample. Mm-hmm. But once, like, all that sampling shit gets in the way and starts fucking up the money, people don't really want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I know? mean, you you got, like, that Apollo Brown beat on your first tape, which sampled, like, Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd. That was, that was, yeah. Epic. I miss that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I do, too. I do, too. And also, I just think, like, it's like the NBA, like, the same way that, logistics and shit like kind of made it made the nba more fun to watch but it also made it like more everything is so strategic you know like people is is as much as i want like i have three or four projects worth of music that i could drop right now and as much as i want to just do that the idea of dropping that music and it not doing much because i wasn't strategic enough with it and now that music is just out there and it's harder to capitalize on is a little bit like you know terrifying compared to all the stress and work that goes into making it, you know? Yeah, I heard in an interview you said you had so much unreleased music. It must be hard sitting on... Because I guess it, it, it gets out of date though, right? Like if you... if you sing, Yeah, it does. That's yeah. why I like, depending on what interview you're talking about, this music, when I talk about the songs that I have now, I'm not even considering a lot of those songs back then that I had back then. But some of them, some of them stand the test of time. And those are the ones I'm the most excited about. Are the ones that I made like, over two years ago now then i'm still like fuck this needs to come out are they like collabs and stuff or are they is that solo stuff as far as the one that i'm referencing that's older it's um solo i'm excited to see that man because you've been dropping quite a lot lately i mean i I, again i saw in an interview in like 2020 you were gonna kind of flood the flood the market but then obviously the pandemic happened and it's been a bit challenging but you've been putting out singles pretty consistently which is not the most common thing for you over the last few years yeah, no, it's a new thing. I, I I think that um coming into like the just like the part of life that I'm getting to, I think I want to look back on my 
my mid and late twenties is me like going as hard as I possibly could. Where like what, however it go, however it turns out, you know, I can't really control. But I definitely want to get out as much content as possible, be as creative as possible, and you know, get as big as possible, get my music heard by as many people as I can. I guess in this generation with social media and with streaming, you kind of got to keep dropping to stay relevant. Is that a lot of pressure that you have to keep dropping and, and stay at the forefront of the conversation? That part is easy. Like dropping is easy. Positioning is the hard part, if that makes sense. Like, cause it's not, it, I think to a lot of people, it looks like you're just dropping music, but you're dropping music, you're dropping content. Like I'm realizing I've been doing a lot of studying just about how, to build a following and I'm realizing I understand why I, like my Twitter followers stopped going up and like they can go if I'm not dropping they go down and it's because I've for like my whole career I've tweeted like a regular person and I noticed like some people like they tweet purely like as a brand as an artist everything ties back to that me even adding that understanding to already knowing that I need to be putting out content like the last year the last like four or five releases at least I've put out um some kind of like teaser trailer video, even if there's no actual music video, just to promote the song, making sure that I got all the right pieces around the song. So where two weeks later, three weeks later, I can still promote the song. Um, making sure that I have just like cool, like images and visuals and stories to tell around the song, like all that shit, you know? So if it's, if I think all of that together can be a little bit intimidating, if, especially if you're doing it alone, you know, or, or even when just as an artist, when you're spearheading that type of shit, you know, but it's cool. Like it, at the same time, it's like, that's what we make the music for. I, it, it, I'm sure it's more frustrating to feel like, and I've experienced it, like to feel like you got to wait for somebody else's approval to drop some shit, you know, at a label. It's better to have to drop music all the time. I feel like it's kind of ironic that you're struggling on the social media side where you're so good at the networking side. Like you've been around some incredible people and you've been in some incredible conversations. And But then uh, I'm hearing you in 2021 saying that you've got to, like, it, it doesn't match up to me. Like, I don't understand how that works. It must be frustrating. Well, I, my guess is that like the, you know, I'm a polarizing person. I know that. So like, like the things that, I don't want to say this, the things that translate very well in person and the personality traits that translate very well in person don't translate as well to somebody that's not sitting in a room with me. So I might say some shit that has everybody in the room laughing and then tweet it and people are like, what the fuck? Well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll follow you yeah. for music shit, yeah. you know? And like, that's like, cause the shit is water under the bridge now. Now it's just something for me to figure out how to, how to bounce back from. And also when I was doing it, I was, I never thought about, I never, I never looked at until I until I became like until the internet became super saturated where everyone's an artist, which I would argue didn't start until like four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Um, until it was like that, I didn't look at myself or my artist peers as people that was being so calculated. You know what I mean? And now looking back, I get it, and that's fine, and that's dope. I can play that game. But um, yeah, I never looked at it like that. You know. yeah yeah it's like it's all strategy but you also said like with regards to being independent and being, being able to drop whenever you want like that must be great to have that creative control and that freedom to just be like you know what this is what i'm feeling like today i'm just gonna rap about this i'm just gonna put it out when i want to and you don't have to worry about anything man no timelines and deadlines and stuff like that yeah a little bit a little bit more a little bit more goes into it than that and and i'll say that because it's, it, unless i'm 
I, I pretty much have like a group of people that like I run my decisions by, like especially Musa. And it's not, but he's not like the he doesn't call like make the answers for me, but he's gonna give me a hard time if he thinks I shouldn't do something. Mm-hmm. Which I always look at it as like if he gives me a hard time, that's kind of how I'm able to gauge how strongly I feel about what I want to do. Because for example, the song Warrior that I believe is called 102519 on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was a song that I wanted to put out that you know, I wanted to put it out the night I made it type shit. And he kept pushing back on it. And I kept hitting him up like, yo, brother, like this song needs to come out. And I don't, I think it didn't come out till like maybe this time last year even. But, um, you know, I I kept pushing for the song to come out till he was finally like, all right, bro. Like, I, like because I, also it's about getting, it's about figuring out how I want to drop it. Like some songs last year, I forget about a lot of songs I dropped last year because they were just SoundCloud drops. You yeah. know, I probably dropped, 10 songs last year, 10, maybe 13 songs last year, um, which is like, which is adds up to over a song a month. But in my head, I only count the last two because the, well, I only count Entendre, Sad, uh, Scared, Back mm-hmm. at It, and Too Bad, because those are the ones that we pushed to DSPs and I actually, you know, got promoted, got playlists and all that stuff. But to me, for me, like, I don't really, super super care about you know what i experienced is that some of these songs on soundcloud they might do like a tenth of the numbers that the spotify songs do but they get just as much engagement from real people you know which is an interesting thing like a song can get all these plays and have all these people talking but it's not like a unless it just goes completely viral it's not like a huge difference you know so i just like i like to get the music out there to people and i'm and i'm strategizing on how to just get my face out there how to present like my personality outside of just words and pictures and songs. Yeah, man. Cause I honestly feel like that's the kind of artist you are. Like you're giving us you and that's the kind of like, you know, that's, I mean, that's why I like you. That's why I like following you on social media. Cause you talk about what you're going through. That's why I really like, I was depressed until I made this because that was your experience and I could connect with you as a human. And I think with a lot of artists nowadays, it's like they're putting out maybe the best version of themselves or, the version that sounds like everyone else but i don't yeah. know man like i much prefer to listen to something that's really going to resonate with me as a person you know yeah i mean that's that's why i make the music that i make i think i actually think when i was on vacation i tweeted something about that you responded to it like i made the music i made because that's the shit that i listened to that's the shit that made me want to make music was the, the things that you know like the kid cuddies and like the even you know i don't I didn't grow into being a huge Wale fan, but when I was 15, 16, 17, even 18 years old, I was a huge Wale fan. I was a huge, crazy, I was a huge Joe Budden fan. I used to listen yeah. to mood music when I was 14. Yeah. When I, around that time when I decided to start making music, there was people that was making music that when they was in pain and they were able to, to translate it honestly in detail in a way that I was like, damn, this is like probably, it sounded therapeutic. It made me want to do it. Yeah, I mean, that was actually, that was the point of my tweet was like, you know, it sucks that you've gone through this. It sucks that you're going through this. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm really glad that someone has so that I can feel like I'm not alone in the world, you know? Like that sounds quite emotional, but it's very true. I mean, yeah. that's that's the kind of stuff that we really can, what I really connect with. And people who are going through something, it's very important to those people for someone to tell their story. Yeah, well, even like, the way that I put it is too is like even the people that don't make music like that, that they listen to music like that. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like even people that don't make music for or about what like what they're truly going through on the deepest level, they list they they have a playlist. They have artists that they listen to when they're going through those type of things because every there's nobody that turns up through everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's nobody that's partying through everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's the you, that's the kind of the unsung hero of the whole thing. You know, they were, like I was depressed, got a great response. You know, a lot of people were yeah. talking about it when it came out. Do you feel like because you know I ran the numbers, so twenty seven percent of the content is mental health, but obviously you spoke heavily about it being not just about depression. It's not just about mental health. This is about me working through my issues and using my art and my creativity to overcome them. Do you think that you achieve that goal in the end? I do. I do. And I, and what I wanted to make clear is that like, I knew when I made, when I named the album, I was depressed until I made this, people would cling on to the word depressed. Yeah. But the, the message of the title is not, you know, about that. So the reason that I named that album that is because I knew two reasons. And I don't know if I spoke on this like this. I definitely uh, said this one reason, but um, so one, I wanted to, I had this idea called Zoom. So I wanted to make this music that was like very palatable and like, you know, Zoom, like I'm trying, I'm speeding through life. Like this is how I felt. I'm getting drunk and getting fucked up all the time. I get straight to the bag, Zoom. And then also I wanted to mean like zoom, like the perspectives, like when you zoom, if you zoom in, you put something under a microscope, it looks way different than it does from fucking 30 feet away, mm. you know? So I wanted it to be about perspective too. But then I was like, I'm tired of having album titles that I have to fucking explain. I, I, I ditched that, that title. And I started thinking like, what's something where, what's, how can I, what's a title I could have? What would it sound like? Something that like the title explains itself. So that was one reason I named it that. And the other reason is that when I was putting the songs together, that was like the most honest statement I can make about the songs is that outside of, if I'm being, if I'm talking about purely my lifetime, my outside of music, outside of Anyway and Limb, Still Calling, a lot of those songs was made coming out of a very dark, depressed place where Limb, Anyway, and Still Calling, I was still pretty down. I was, you know, I was still getting drunk as fuck every day, taking Xanax every day, like, you know, going through life drunk and faded, like, and just being, and you know, like crying all the time and shit, like, yeah, not crying enough. <laughs> I got through, I got, I, I had this mind, I found this mindset, like, I think in words. So, like, I had, I, I found this, this saying that I thought in my head, like, to beat depression, what I have to do is because I think I had a, just had a good day and I noticed it. That was just a big thing too. I noticed that I had a good day, yeah. And I was like, damn, like if I just pay attention to like when I do come across some joy, if I just pay attention to that, like if, like the longer I'm able to su- sustain that feeling, then I'll look up and I'll be ha- I'll be happy. Not necessarily like happy all the time, but yeah. I'll be used to being happy. I remember what it feels to be happy, yeah. and I kind of yeah, you know. So once I figured that out, that's when I, and I was, that was something I was saying to myself and I was saying to people, because something I do too is when I have these new principles, when I learn new things, um, I repeat them over and over again, because I want to remember them and implement them in my life. So when I was saying that over and over again, that's what made me um, title it that. So the title, and and that's, and I say all that to, to say what your question was, do I feel like I, I, did, I did that uh, effectively? I think I already done it before I named it that. 
And that's why I picked the name. A lot of people said that voices, I remember when I dropped voices, you know, I had, I had red hair and say, like, I look like I was going through it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. you've been following me for a long time, um, you know, people was like, man, he's gone mad. You know, I assume somebody, like some British nigga said that, he's gone mad, bro. But, um, you know, like, he's, you know, like, what happened to him? Like, look at, like, why is he, the song sounds like Trippy Red. I'm sure he said that because my hair was red because it had auto-tune on it. But that song, if you pay attention, is like one of the most, to what I'm saying, is one of the most vulnerable songs I ever made. Yeah. One of the most on-topic, specific, you know, vulnerable songs I ever made. And honestly, probably as a defense mechanism, I probably made that song feel like, sound so different than what I was actually saying. Because I don't, the new shit I'm making is, is just straight up dark. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. some of it at least is just straight up dark. But like, you know, that was like my first time really, some of those songs, my first time really digging, digging deep into the moment. Like the song Body Language is, is about me. It's me writing to myself and it's really digging deep into the moment and just how I feel, you know, moment to moment. Type shit. Yeah. I mean, the, like one of the, the the main things I got from the album was a lot of the time, as you say, you talk about these really dark topics, but you sprinkle it into very listenable and much brighter lyrics a lot of the time. And I think in in music especially in hip-hop a lot of deeper messaging is lost because people disengage when they feel overwhelmed by it and they're like this is too much you know i don't want to have to deal with this all the time and i think for this project and you even you said this was the first time you had a real vision for a record and executed it Mm -hmm. and it was so well done because it's like it's gonna it's so listenable and there's so much brighter lyrics on there at the same time but you're sliding these dark lyrics in and it's just giving a whole perspective of you know, you're not playing the victim card. You're not just saying, woe is me. You're like right. trying to actively change your situation. And I think that's a really powerful part of the album. Man, thank you. I super, super appreciate that. Because when I when I make music, and especially when I'm making something like that, like <clears throat> I can have, I'm not the type of person that can make music and really imagine what people are going to think or how people are going to even understand what I'm doing. But I'm definitely the type of person. I always mean something by what I'm doing. Mm. You know, so I appreciate that it's like that it's received to any capacity. No, I appreciate you making it. And, and a lot of it like resonated. I don't know how deep you want to talk about it, but some of the stuff I've been through myself, like the Xanax thing with not being able to remember mm-hmm. things like on Killscope, you know, smashed mm-hmm. and then crashed. I'm a symbol on Zanny, so I can't mm-hmm. remember. Like, yeah. That stuff is, you know, this really resonated with me. It was really, it's hard to listen to, but it's like, I don't know, man, you feel connected to someone who's going through that stuff. And it, it's just valuable to have someone say that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt. So like, let's talk about, uh, obviously you had a little bit of a break after talk back. Um, do you feel like, because, you know, you started really early, you were really, really young when you came into the game mm-hmm. and then you went for a little bit of a, you had a couple of hiatuses during that. Yeah. Do you think that hip hop is going to be something that you're going to continue doing? Or is this something that you're, because I know that you had a conversation with someone where they were like, you know, don't make music if you don't want to make it. And mm-hmm. that kind of changed your perspective on things. Do you think that hip hop is just going to stay in your life indefinitely? Or is this something you're going to dip in and out of? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've dedicated my life to this. So the things, the times that have been hiatuses, especially the first one, like that was more like an incubation period. Unfortunately, the second one was kind of like just just brought on by that by depression and yeah the thing is that so there's these weird levels of like the first time i i went on a 
quote-unquote hiatus, that's when I started making music in high volume. I just wasn't releasing it. You know, I, sometimes I can be a little bit, I can be a little bit of a, I'm either, I either think way too hard about something or like not at all, mm. you know? And like, I'm, I, I like to err on the side of caution. <laughs> uh, you know, at least that's my streak. So from 2013 to 2015, I was making hella music and I was just trying to refine my sound. 2015, 2016 is when I started putting out singles on SoundCloud. And, you know, I remember when I, I, I previewed the Talkback video on Twitter. This is like one of the, <laughs> this is like, this has been my luck in the past. We're going to knock on the on wood so that, you know, this ends. I posted the the preview to the Talkback video on Twitter and like, like around Christmas 2015. And in early 2016, I tried to get this, uh, I wanted to get rid of all my tweets. So I got this tweet deleter bot thing which all them tweets came back so i don't even know how the fuck i did that but i said it i said it to delete tweets before that date when i posted that thing because it, it, it did it did like 500 retweets on twitter in like a couple weeks so i wanted to keep that up and it ended up getting deleted so and i feel like that took a lot of momentum i reposted it back up and ended up doing like 75 retweets like i lost a lot of momentum do you know when something gets retweeted it's like an ad like it, it can get recirculated and shit so, but anyway, we're in 2016. I did the the tour with Hippie Sabotage. I dropped Talk Back. I was damn the fuck out that one night and took the picture with the TDE chain. I went viral. I had a, I had a lot of like a lot of internet mishaps where I was just like fuck. I just be fucking around too much, and I don't you know I don't think I haven't thought too far ahead as to like how this will be received. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But definitely when I put on that chain, like. I wasn't thinking, I was, I was thinking like, oh, look, Kimbae got on the TDE chain. I wasn't thinking that like every major publication was going to run stories about how I'm the new signee to TDE, especially since I didn't say that. <laughs> but that's, but um, so, that's so hard, man. Like, how do you even, I don't know, like if I was around in and popular at that age, when I was like 18, 19, 20, oh my yeah. gosh, man, I don't know what, I wouldn't be here right now. Like, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's just, it's just funny though. Like that, the next day, the day that those, so this, this is the thing. I had woken up from like a long nap. I was, I was out of it at that time too. Even I woken up at like 2 a.m. I take, I was, I was taking a Zan nap. So I was knocked the fuck out. I woke up mm-hmm. and the fuck out. And it's, and it was Doe Burger's chain, which is the absolute homie. Doe Burger wear that chain every day. Don't nobody ever say the Doe Burger is signed to TD. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I put I put the chain on, I took a picture of it and posted it and shit. But like that whole next day when all those ads was running and my followers was going up, the picture was doing like thousands of retweets. I was in the Beverly Center. I think I went to a Foot Locker and like the the dude that was working, I was like, yo, you the dude that just signed a TDE. He was like, oh, he was like, man, like he was trying. And I was like, the thing is, I was like ashamed, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, what have I done? <laughs> I, you know, and I didn't say anything to him. He, I just remember seeing his eyes like drop. And he walked away like he was mad, disappointed. That shit hurt my feelings so bad. Oh, I was like, damn, man. bro, what that shit fucked me up. You know, which shit definitely fucked me up a little bit. But anyway, I just went on that very. You, you can see where my fucking emotions lie and shit. But um, after that, you know, I had a friend get murdered. I had a pregnancy scare. I was started to. That was when my other relationship was like on and off 
just all those things compiled. That's when I started drinking heavily. I stopped smoking weed because I started having them like, you know, them like schizophrenic type episodes. 2017 and 2018, oddly, is when I started making even more music. So like, and even, so although I was talking about quitting and thinking about quitting, that was like, I don't know. Like, I was definitely seriously thinking about it, but I don't do anything else. Like, I started dropping lifts and shit for a second before the pandemic. Like, around the time we was finishing up the album, I started dropping lifts. But I never was like, my idea of quitting rap is putting out all my music, <laughs> with, like, indiscriminately. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't. It's like I'm. It's like there's these rules that I'm playing by. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I also just feel like I just know that like it, it's some balance in between what I just really want to do, which is just like just put every last song on fucking SoundCloud and say and just see what happens, and you know be super meticulous. I'm sure it's something in between there, but you know that's how that's how I look at it. I don't think that. I, I see myself as like rapping when I'm 40 if I can. I might also become a life coach and fucking do real estate and like do some other shit. But I just think to an extent, like having that voice and, and you know, being a poet is what I'm supposed to do. Something I'm working on in therapy at the moment is it's not all black and white. You know, a lot of the time mm-hmm. with my OCD, especially, it's like, okay, I did something wrong. Now I deserve to be punished for what I did. It's like, it's not like that. You know, I was younger, I was stupider. I was, you know, I didn't have the knowledge and understanding I have now. And so a lot of what I try and do now is try and give myself grace and understand that it's all part of my process. And I wouldn't be the person I am now if I didn't go through what I went through back then, you know? And I feel like a lot of the time with humans, we're we're always going to go through it. Like it's, it's almost like we're predisposed to go through certain things because of our, you know, our environment and our biology and so I don't necessarily, I find it really difficult. Like when I look back on silly and stupid things I did and opportunities I didn't take up, but then I realized mm-hmm. like I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I quite like the person I am today. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, that's the thing. Like, I don't really, I do think there's an appropriate level of like, I need to feel guilt and, and like enough shame to know when not to do something again. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think, you're supposed to like relive that shit over and over and over again because it doesn't exactly, serve you at a certain point that's exactly right and it holds you back it ends up holding you back because you yeah. just end up living in the past and what's the point of that because you've got you've either got to learn from the past or you get kind of held down by it and there's no point well, in what'll it. make it what'll make it feel i'm sorry no go go what what'll make it feel validated though is like <laughs> for me like something i really struggle with even when i'm at my best when i feel like i'm super important it's like i just know i'm gonna do something again at some point <laughs> that's gonna make me feel like this again i'm gonna do something stupid i'm gonna do the dumbest i'm gonna do something dumber than anything i've ever done before knock on wood once again but that's just how shit works you know or i'm gonna do something to make me feel that way and that's what makes you kind of like want to brace like that but also it's like we're human you know yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Like, we're always going to fuck up and we're always going to make mistakes. And I think a lot of the time we end up, and that's the thing about being an artist and being someone who's giving themselves to everyone is like, you have to be yourself, you know, otherwise you're just yeah. being kind of like a homogenized version of yourself. And people aren't going to connect with that as much, which unfortunately means the flip side is you might make mistakes again in the future. But that's, that's the price, I guess, you have to pay for being an artist, right? The only the thing that hurts me the most about missed opportunities and shit is what I wanted out of them. Mm. I'm not really big on like, hmm, 
Like when I notice that my Twitter followers are dropping sometimes, I'm not thinking like, oh, why don't people like me? I'm thinking like, damn, like I I just want I want my shit to be going up. Yeah. So I'm not really worried about what people think about me specifically. Like obviously I care because everybody cares what people think of them to an extent. Mm. But more so I guess what I'm saying is that I'm willing to be I'm willing to be disliked or I'm willing to be polarizing because I know how it feels. I'm very familiar with the feeling of disliking someone and then turning out to like them and then realizing I actually really don't like them and then going back and forth. Yeah. And I don't put that nature past anybody. I think it's more so just when I get really discouraged and feel like I'm going to like I'm going to fuck this up beyond repair. That's what's really paralyzing to me more than anything else. Yeah, I know that exact feeling, actually. That was actually why I took three months off Twitter from December until like March, because I just felt like I'm going to say, because I was in a really bad state, like a really kind of delusional, paranoid state. And I was like, I'm going to say something that's going to fuck up or I'm going to, you know, something's going to happen and and I'm going to lose everything. And, you know, it's really hard because it's like you have to keep turning up. You have to keep coming back even when you're really scared Mm -hmm. because otherwise you end up just being in stasis and and not doing anything is so hard to overcome that inertia yeah absolutely absolutely you know you spoke about this a little bit on talkback with something like Gino's disquisition because like something like that I don't know it was like be yourself kind of fuck what everyone else wants you to be and just be who you are I'll tell you uh, I don't know if I ever told any public platform about this but when I did I've been I've been out here in LA working with Musa from TD for like mm, since 2013. Mm. Never had a conversation with Good Boy Q until I did this this show run with him at the end, right after the album came out. And um in, in 2019. And I remember I went up to thank him for letting me come on a tour and shit after the first night in Chicago. And you know, he might have been a little faded or whatever, but he started, like, he went on this rant for, like, an hour. I don't want to call it a rant because it was very, like, inspired. Like, he was smiling and laughing and shit, but he was, like, he was just emphasizing. He's like, look, bro. He was like, I don't care who it is. Do not listen to what they're saying if it does not match up with what you're trying to do because mm-hmm. they don't know what the fuck they're talking about because they don't even know what you're trying to do. So if you listen to them, you're going to end up doing some shit that they, you don't even know what they're talking about either, so you can't do what they're trying to do. And you're not doing what you're trying to do. So now you're just doing some bullshit. Mm. He was like, when he was like, he was like, when Blank Face was getting good reviews, I was mad. I hated it because who was these nerds to tell me what's a nine out of 10? He was like, nigga, this ain't hip hop. This is Hoover Crip. <laughs> and he was just going on this rant for so long. And it was like, this is his response to me saying, thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, like that, you know, I, the thing is, is like it does. It takes a lot of like, it takes a lot of balls to to be like just vulgar about it. Be as raw as possible. Like, it takes a lot of balls to just be like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. This is how I want to do it. I've assessed the potential damages and fuck y'all. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying like this is like you know take it or leave it. And I do think those are the things that tend to work out if the right people see it. You know because that's that energy. Like there's a certain energy that when we you know at this point we on these fucking phones or computers or whatever when we see the thumbnail or if somebody sends it to us and we open it it's like a it's like something we want to radiate through there and it's not always because somebody's yelling somebody can very silently clearly not give a fuck and you 
and you were like, damn, like, why, you know, what do you have to say? Mm. You know what I mean? And I think I was doing my press run in 2019 too. And I told this, I was telling this lady, but I don't, you know, I don't care anymore. And I guess she was telling me not to say it because it sounds like, like I'm giving up, you know, but that's like very the opposite. I guess I'm just as good as I am or as good as people think I am, at least with, you know, with words and shit. Like, I guess I'm not because like when I say I don't care, like I just don't give a fuck about like what I don't care about who's going to take it wrong or who's not going to get it mm. or who's who it's not for because it's not for them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like when I do, if because I might, I might decide to make something that I think is for everybody. Then I will care. I'll care as much as it as I feel like it takes, you know. But also, I just think that what has always appealed to me is somebody that's like doing whether it's somebody that's being like you know conscious and you know some righteous shit, like just like speaking the truth to how I understand it. Like I, I, I even if I don't agree with their truth, I appreciate that they're gonna stand up and make this stance when this, I know it's gonna turn a lot of people off. Or you know, if it's somebody that's like. You know, back back before, back before it was like everybody rapper saying, you know, like Kid Cudi singing was like, Kid Cudi's not a good singer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kid Cudi's not a good singer at all. Kid Cudi's a decent rapper, you know, but just the the energy of how he was coming is like, yeah. what, you know, spoke to my soul. Like his way, like all those things aside, because not I know shit could get my words could get twisted, and my attention could get twisted, but like those things aside like he's one of the most transformative artists of my lifetime yeah you know what i mean so i think just having that energy is important i forgot the question by the way i don't ramble my way into it look man i can't remember the question but you just live to <laughs> gold it's fine man but that's that's the hard thing right because like you know you talk about wanting your twitter followers to go up and we look at you know and this is one of those things about being independent at the same time is the myth of comparison because we're all on our own journey and we're all doing our own thing, but it's like social media forces us to compare ourselves to everyone else and their numbers mm-hmm. and what they're doing and the kind of music they're making. And you get pulled, you keep getting pulled in that direction. And that's the problem with social media. I think every time I sign in, I get pulled in that comparison direction. Like my engagements aren't high enough or I'm not getting this or I'm not doing that. And I forget that I'm just doing this because I care about it. And, and the people that it's for are going to gravitate towards it. And for everyone else, it's cool. You don't have to like it. And a lot of people, have, right. it's, it's fine. It's, it's cool. You know, be vocal about it if you want. That's, that's fine. But I have to not let it affect me emotionally. But on, a, on an even deeper level too, like we can be so, we can be, we can be so jaded that like, I feel like I can forget that. It's a blessing that even I have access to all these people, period. Yeah. You know what I'm saying that people could see my shit and skip past it. You know, I mean, I think I think having a more grateful outlook is more inspirational. Like it keeps me inspired because I'm I'm thinking past like as much as I am, I do have tunnel vision on my outcomes. When I do just think about like, man, I'm on the fucking internet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to I'm about to put out a song I recorded in my room on the internet and maybe make some money. Like what? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like my dad, my dad used to sell crack. <laughs> you feel me? So, you know, with 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 that, with that realization that every for every person that goes past or every person that unfollows me that's a person that saw what i did and like the 16 year old me 15 year old me would trip that they ever followed me he'd probably be pissed if they unfollowed me too but here we are yeah well that's the hard thing for you though because you've been successful for a long like you've been successful in your formative years so 
it can, it's almost, is it just feel like it's part of your life now? The fact that you're, you've got people watching you and you've got people listening to you. Yeah. It's, it's probably like, it's probably not a good thing, but yeah, definitely. Def, it's definitely something that like, I've, you know, I still want to build it, but also it's, it goes two ways. Cause it's hard for me to imagine it bigger, any bigger. And it's hard for me to imagine it any smaller, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's like I'm I'm used to having so many people following me and and knowing about me, but I, I've also kind of like it's not too many people to where it interrupts my life in any way. I don't know. It's it's a very like when people, even my my peers, like people I be around when they talk about being fans of mine and shit, like it's, I forget that that is a thing. You know, I'm in a room right now. It, it was just hidden, but goddamn. <laughs> It just hit me. I'm in a room with two people that like I've met from knowing my music, like being fans of my music. Yeah. And like I also just unpacked this. <sighs> I used to be like shy about calling people fans, referring to people as fans. But like I've I've sworn off of that thinking because like I'm a huge fan of so many people. So why would I think of that as a derogatory thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, um, it's just an expression of how they feel about your art. Like they're connecting with you. I mean, it's hard, right? Like, cause you get used to it. Like I'm, I'm the same. Like at first, when I first got to 50,000 followers, I was like, oh, this is incredible. I'm so grateful to all these people. But then mm-hmm. I'm at 200,000 across platforms. Now I'm like, oh, so many people. Like I have to appease mm-hmm. this person and this person. And I get super jaded some days. I'm just like, you know what? Fuck all of this. I don't want all these followers. I don't, I didn't ask you to follow me. You know, so it's just that right. you kind of get used to it. It almost becomes your new normal. Exactly. So that's that's what I was going to say. Like, I have these people here that are like, they're like literally in my crib and they're people that found me through my music that are just fans of my music and I brought them on board to help me with things. But like, I've gotten so used to that to the point where like, it's I, it's hard to distinguish, you know, especially the thing too is like, you know, I dropped my album and my the first tour we booked didn't go as planned, but the first show I did in Chicago went well. Mm. I was supposed to go into uh, Power 92. I mean, uh, is it Power 92? It's, it's or the real 92.3 in LA and do like a freestyle with DJ Head like right before the pandemic started. But like, it's a lot of like fan engagement like in real life that I missed out on mm. because of the pandemic. And I think that also kind of like, you know, this the the quote unquote new normal as they call it. You know, I, I adapted to it really quick. So I'm not really seeing... I'm not really seeing fans, you know what I'm saying? You get used to the names that you see online too. But it cuts you, it cuts you off from that energy you were talking about because when you're yeah. giving your energy and your passion and then you can see people giving it back to you, you don't even it's almost like the online stuff is just a promotional tool to get to the point where you can be, you know, with your fans and in their vicinity and being like, I'm gonna give you all this in my live performance, and you're gonna give me all this love back. And that's beautiful. But then online it's just so sterile a lot of the time it's so cut off yeah. you know yeah it's because it's hard to it's hard to receive the emotion and so it's hard to get it's hard to feed off of i could see you uh you know maybe you should maybe you should start start that band you're always going to start while the pandemic is going <laughs> on get tom morello on the phone just be like come on man let's just do something let's play guitar that's funny i said i said that in a tweet i, I did a verse when i was in arizona with at, at the homie spirit, but I, I made a Tom Morello reference. I feel like you've been stalking me or some shit, like some Narwhal shit. 
A little bit, man. A little bit. I did my research. <laughs> no, but that'll be sick. Like, I did listen to one interview where you talked about what you used to listen to was like alt rock uh, in the early, you know, early 2000s, like Papa Roach, Paramore even. Like that's, yeah. that's a cool influence to start with. Yeah, a lot of the shit that I've been, um, like the snippet that I, uh, uh, that I was sending out to people yesterday, that's something I recorded a couple of nights ago, is definitely like some alt, it's like some some super alternative shit. You know, it's over just a, a guitar loop that Wolf, that produced voices, that's what I live with, that's my roommate. And, um, you know, he just be sending me guitar loops. I have a whole song that's over just like a bass guitar loop. And uh, it's a very like big song though, um, vocally. Mm. but um you know i make shit like that but the like a band i feel like a band just take requires so much upkeep i got like the i've i'll be trying to manage collectors of people and shit like that mm. you know i'm i feel like i'm a really good uh <laughs> if i was i'm i'm uh i'm a good team captain but i'm not a great organizer but like i definitely will make some some rock shit i was thinking about that the other day too like I make so many different varieties of music. That's one of the strengths moving forward with my music is that like, it's not just me rapping, but I also am um, like humbly, like one of the best rappers that I know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like on, even on Under Pressure, like just the different cadences you slip into and the way that you mold your voice around the beat, like it's insane. It's intense. You know, it's, it's incredibly. And I think that's a huge part of uh, just progressing your art form and making different kinds of music is being technically proficient in a lot of different directions. And when you have that, you can kind of go in whatever direction you want, you know? Right. Yeah. Something, something I learned, like one of my favorite singers is, was Gil Scott Heron. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, because he is and it's similar to what Kid Cudi does too. Gil Scott Heron was a little bit louder. It's just emoting, yeah. you know, like getting the emotion across, even if the note isn't hit right, like, or even if the, even if the words don't all the way make sense, you know, you just feel what the person's feeling. And that's something that I try to do. Even when I rap now, you know, like I try to, I pay more attention to my tone. I pay just as much attention to my tone as I do to what I'm saying. I think that really started on talk back, to be honest, you know, I really felt that you started to inhabit your emotions and really project them. And it's just, you know, again, that's, that's why I was so excited when I DM'd you and you said yes, because I'm like, oh, man, like, I actually listen to your music a lot. And I'm it, it just it comes out. It's, it's you. And it's, it's that's, a rarity. That's an honor, bro. That's like a real, real. <laughs> that's, that's dope to know, because I, I think too that like I'm one of those people that I have since my since like up to this point my social media game hasn't been super strong. Mm. I have a lot of fans of my music that aren't necessarily engaged with me on social media because I might be talking about whatever the fuck on Twitter, you know. And um, I'm I'm committed to being more disciplined on Instagram specifically because I kind of have figured out what works for me and how I could build my shit on Instagram and do all those things but up to this point like it'll be people that will recognize me in public and don't follow me but have all my music on their phone so i that, that's like a fucking like a, a major labels nightmare i would assume <laughs> you know what i'm saying oh, like God, yeah to have like you know to not be able to pinpoint the demographics and un, and see what these people look like or what is it that's connecting these people to my music so much but um you know, this the so, the social media thing for me is just, like I'm a very 
like I said, I'm polarizing. So like I'm the type of person that I'm I don't prefer to be around a whole bunch of people and I don't prefer to be in social situations. But once I get in them, I can be like the like the you know the the life of the party, I guess is how mm. some people describe it. It's not I'm not really a party person, but I'm not afraid to talk to people either. And when I do talk, like it's not fluff. Like I I I'm more likely to overshare. You know what I'm saying? And I and I end up having people oversharing with me. Like people want to tell me their fucking life story and shit. So mm. you know, I, I think like it's this, it's something about me that that is captivating the people and I'm, I want to figure that out. Definitely music is something that is something that I plan on figuring out just because it's a project that I've started and Wolf just walked in. You good? Yeah. Yeah, I think with with social media, it's it's very algorithm based. And I think there's two ways of looking at it. Like you can take pictures with famous people and in expensive cars and wearing expensive clothes. And then you'll get people who are voyeuristic and want to watch you and live vicariously through you. Or you can create a community, which is what I'm trying to do on Instagram, where it's like I'm replying to all the DMs. I'm like replying to comments and trying to make it feel like you know, it's not just me that you're following. Like we're all kind of having this conversation together. It's kind of like a group thing and a community thing where we're just discussing things that we like. And I found that to be quite beneficial. I found that people, yeah, it's tend to, and they, they ride for you then they go really hard for you when they feel like you're being, you know, underappreciated or whatever, because they feel like they know you. Right. And that's, that's what I'm going for is, is definitely a community thing. I mean, I, cause I think the whole, the whole like you know the voyeurism is a good word way to put it that kind of that comes with a level of notoriety that's like notoriety that's not something that i can force you know and that i or that i have the will to force i'd much rather connect with people and have conversations you know have people have more of a have a have more of a cult of thought that like you know you could recognize a kimba x fan from the type of shit that they say and Mm -hmm the people that are connected with each other you know things like that so do you think the goal from here is just to continue to grow your listenership and grow your followers or is it like you know is it more music based now is it more like i'm just going to try and put out like fully realized projects it's 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 cause and effect like i I want to you know i don't i definitely want to grow my base but i want to grow it with I want everything I put out to be the best shit I ever made, pretty yeah. much. I want it to be or the best shit that people have ever heard, because the best shit I ever made is probably something that I just made, you know. But you know, I definitely, I mean, there's there's some strategy moves here and there, like we putting out these songs with features right now. But also, these are some of, you know, scared is like, I I hate that song some days, but I, some days I I'm like I can't believe I made this shit. Like I get so excited about it. That's the relationship I have with music and a lot of media. Like my, my favorite TV shows, I hate them a lot of times. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Why am I watching? Mm. But then like I miss them and it's like I have to watch it, you know. Mm. But like these, even you know, like the like uh under pressure, that's like one of my just objectively best songs I ever made. Too bad is one of the coolest songs I ever made. Um back at it, you know, we me and Bishop was just in an ab soul session, and that's one of the songs that we did, and like I just remember how excited they were about my verse. Like I was just trying to keep up with them and make sure that I didn't get washed. And, you know, at least the the consensus of the room was that I had the best verse. So like, that's like, 
my best rapping on display. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I definitely want to keep building on that. But I think too that like just as a in this era of the way people consume music, they consume people. You know, and yeah. Yeah. that could that could feel invasive. But I do I do believe I have something to say and something of value to offer. Like maybe not to everybody. Not, and, and nobody really has something of value to offer to every single person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, you know, even even Drake has, I used to I used to be a Drake hater for the last three, four um, years. I used yeah. To, okay. I think everyone goes like, through that, right? Everyone goes through a Drake yeah. phase. And like, you know, even people, there's people that, that don't like Kendrick Lamar. You know what I'm saying? So wow. Okay. That's, just, that's just to say that like, you know, nobody's for everybody. And that's how you know you're doing something authentic. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, like, how are you going to appeal to everyone? You know what? One of the funniest things and one of the the clearest things someone said to me once, I was getting dragged online for something I'd said. I don't know. It was something totally innocuous. And my friend just looked at me and she said, but they don't even know you. And I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that's such a great point. And she's like, just like, oh, right. <laughs> she's like, who cares? Like, they don't even know who you are. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I really shouldn't give that much attention. And then, you know, the more that you give as a creative and the more you give of yourself, the more people aren't going to fuck with it, man. People are people are very opinionated these days. Like, if people don't like you, then that's probably a good thing. You know, as long as someone likes you, as long as, because that's the hard thing. Yeah. Like the other side of it is you do have to take on some criticism, a little tiny bit, not a huge amount, but yeah. you have to take on enough to make sure, okay, I'm still making content that's not, you know, offensive or it's not completely, yeah. you know, people are still tapped in, but it's a very small amount that you have to listen to. I, I think it's, um, you, you have to be able to filter from what's like, what's subjective criticism. And who it's coming from, like, uh, like, that's why you have to have a good understanding of who's saying it. But like, there's a quote from this marketing guru named Seth Godin, and he says something along the lines of like, you know, a, a product for if you don't know who your product is not for, then you don't, you can't say that you know who it is for. Mm. You know, so when you when you get negative feedback, if you can see a, if, if I can see a trend of like the type of person that doesn't like this, as long as the, the person that says this is trash is lines up with all the other people that said it was trash, uh. then I, that means I'm doing something consistently right. And I just have to pinpoint what that is so that I'm not shoving this in the faces of the people that are going to say it's trash. Unless yeah. that's part of my marketing scheme because how many people you've seen blow up just based off of people not like Yeah, yeah. You know, so... I think being able to be objective and once again, be thankful, like being able to enter. If you don't mind the attention, like I don't mind the attention. I don't, I don't attention seek, but I don't mind it. Yeah. If you don't mind the attention, you know, it's all data and it's all you get to learn from it and shit. You, know? oh, you just nailed it, man. Honestly, that's, um, that's really well said. I, uh, I appreciate that. that Cause that's something I've look been up, thinking about a lot, man. Look up Seth Godin, bro. Look up his interviews on YouTube. He's, he goes so in detail about it, but, the idea of a product for everyone being a product for no one is so like poignant because it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like any, anything that everybody likes is mediocre. Yeah. You know, and and it's and the way that I look at it is because like if I'm rapping my ass off on a song and it's just like the hardest verse ever, there's somebody that doesn't want to hear that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's somebody yeah. who's like least favorite thing to hear ever is someone just going hard on a verse. Or their idea of going hard on a verse is completely different than my style. Yeah. You know? So it's it's like 
being able to accept and really embrace, you know, it, it takes, I mean, it, it does, it, it takes like being, you also have to know when you're getting criticized by somebody who's exactly who you want to like, you want yeah. them to love your music because then, or your, or whatever it is that you're giving the world. Cause then that's how, you know, to adjust and you always have to assume that there's something you could be doing better. And the only way you're going to find out that you need to do something better is by somebody telling you that you're doing something wrong. Damn man, that's a gem. That's a gem. I'm gonna check that guy out because that's um that was really well said. I appreciate that. No doubt. Uh, what have you got coming up? What's uh is there gonna be a project? Is it just gonna be more of the single stuff? The goal is definitely to, you know, um, extract the the message from my music and be able to wear it and everything that I'm doing so that people really know what they're going to me for, and then. You know, I want. I also am trying to find a way to make my ignorance palatable too, because I, I, I'm not just. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a, just because I'm a thinker doesn't mean that I don't do like fuck shit. I just quit drinking, so I'm not gonna be doing any more like alcohol induced fuck shit. But I, you know, I like to have fun. I, I have a bit of, I have my own irreverent side. And I just want to make sure that those things make sense to people so it doesn't just seem like because I, I never make music i never make music trying to get people to like me because i know it's not gonna last if it's not true yeah so yeah. anything that i put out i know i might put out some shit that may not match to people but that's just because i haven't expressed who i am in totality well enough i think that's perfectly said and i think you know the the ignorant irreverent side that's fun that's the fun side yeah, like i see it as exactly. more like this that's the yeah kind of like switch off and just enjoy yourself side. And that's what I like about your music. You, you balance it all. And so if you can manage to balance that all on social media as well and find a way, uh, I don't know, we'll work on it. Like I'll, I'll try and work out like how I'm going to promote all this stuff and like get you in front of, because that's the thing. Like my followers are going to love this. They're going to love your, your music. And yeah, it's frustrating when I see someone amazing who is feeling that they're not getting the cut through that they need and deserve. But yeah. all it means is it's something to work on and something that can be, you know, can be fixed and achieved. So I'm sure it's, Some, it's, it's achievable. Something I was, something I was telling my, uh, when I was, I was on that week long vacation with my mom and my sister, my cut, I was at my cousin's house and her boyfriend said that, um, I was with my mom and my sister and my cousin's house and her boyfriend, <laughs> her, her boyfriend, her boyfriend, uh, they was asking me like similar questions and I was just talking about how like, you know, like how I feel like things have gone wrong, but it's like, I'm right now I'm taking everything into my own hands because like you said, it's something to figure out. And at the end of the day, whatever goes wrong, it can't, it can't be somebody else's fault. Yeah, like I can't, I can't be blaming somebody else or I can't blame the world. It's something that is, is probably way more obvious than I've thought of yet. That's like all I need to be doing. And I just have to sit down and put that energy into it and make sure I'm doing that to the best of my ability. That's maturity, man. That's taking accountability. That that's a rarity. So uh, I think you're well set up if you feel that way. I think that that's a great attitude to have. The way that I look at it is is you know if if I fail if I fail miserably, which I think if you do your best, you fail, but it's just because you don't hit your goal. But if okay. I fail miserably, it's my fault. And if I succeed greatly, I get to smile and dance and and flex. Exactly. You know, not on other people, but I get the flex because I did that. And, my, and me and my team and the people around me, we did that. 
So that was my first interview with Kembe. We had that chat, May 25, 2021, and then I suffered from a really severe bout of depression. I spent June and July writing the piece, but I just couldn't manage to get something coherent out. So I asked to call Kembe again in August, and he was gracious enough to help me try and look for a new direction for the piece. And I left this section in this second interview because I just love it so much. It's such an extension of what we discussed in May. Kembe skating on philosophical questions and existential issues. I really love it. So enjoy this second part of our discussion. It's really demotivating when you can't just go out and be around other humans. You know, if you like just stuck around the same people for six straight weeks, you don't see anyone else. It's really tiring and i just spend most of my days in bed like i've gotten so depressed i'm in such a depressed cycle because like what what else is my body going to do you know it's natural that it would go into this state because it's just there's nothing to do yeah no i mean i could definitely see that yeah because i mean that's intense i didn't even know i didn't know they was doing shit like that in australia yes it's um it's intense how things been over there you it looks like you've been out a lot shooting videos going to shows and stuff looks good yeah so the the outside freestyle i i haven't gone to um no shows i've been to like the isaiah event and shit it's been some events they got like the mask mandates indoors going but like i know more people than ever right now like people that i know personally that have covid so it's 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 kind of confusing because more like as far as I'm as far as I know, more people are sick at one time than ever before, but they're not shutting shit down. That's weird, man. Um yeah, so this is very, very sus, but um I'm just trying to get this project together, stay inspired, stay entertained, shit like that. So, yeah, what's what's happening with that? You're gonna drop you say an EP or or a full project? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm still figuring out the, the track list situation, but I wouldn't necessarily call it an album. It's not that, like, I haven't put that kind of time into it, you know, but I wouldn't call it a mixtape either. I'll call it, like, a project. I'll call it a project or a long, like, a long EP. Or maybe I'll call it an album. I always get, I get weird with those times, but, you know, it's funny, actually, the day that I shot the outside freestyle videos when we was, when we first did this Zoom call, <laughs> Um, so that was back. I don't know if that was like the end of May or like the first week of June or some shit, but I remember you saying that. I remember you said you just recorded the video for that. That video has been going crazy. People really, really love that. Like that's going up on uh on Twitter and yeah, I don't know what it's doing on YouTube, but it, people loving it on Twitter. Yeah, I'm not even tapped in on what it's doing on, on YouTube because my goal was to get it to, to do well on Twitter. It's got like thirty three to thirty two thousand views on Twitter. Like that's that's fucking good. That's great. Is that like yeah. is that good? Like is that what you kind of expected it to do? Yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty good. Within the month, I can get it to like fifty or some shit like that, and uh, you know, just get the get the likes up into the thousands. That'd be dope. So, you ever listen to Gigi Allen? Ah, uh, no. So I don't. I've been just talking to mad music with Wolf. And um, making beats with him and just like kind of like just studying like Kanye's process and like our favorite artist process, Lil Uzi and I want to I want to say X like Lucky like a lot of these people. My friend Gigi Allen and he like this fucking punk dude. He throw shit on stage and like literally throw shit on stage and fight the crowd and shit and beat himself in the head with the microphone. 
Yeah. Very weird dude. But I listened to his music and it was kind of fire. But just like a very dark, very, very, very extremely dark. And I don't know why it gave me this, this something, it's something about it that it was so over the top that it gave me this edge, this idea of like, that I think the like, I have this, this idea for uh, like a college dropout, late registration, graduation sequence. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> like the, like the first album being Be Happy, the second album being I Am Happy, the third album being You Look So Happy. Because like, I think regardless of what the content of that, of those projects is, it's like, it gives off that the the tongue in cheek, like, you know, what everybody's doing, kind of like trying to look happy, even if you're not. Like, I talk about this shit, like, because, you know, people go through this shit and like, I go through this shit and it's my truth. But I don't talk about it because I want people to feel bad about it. Mm. And and I talk about it in spite of the fact that people, some people don't want to hear this shit, you know? Mm. So, so it's kind of like a, it's just my, like, thing like this is why this is why i make music like i don't make music to, for people to just have fun to even though i make music when i'm having fun so sometimes it's fun but like my when i sit down and write even if it's something lighthearted or you know like that has a certain <clears throat> meticulous energy to it or you know what i'm saying like you could tell that that like, that like i put thought into it it's not usually going to just be like a boppy song, you yeah. know, like first and foremost, it's usually going to be something that has like a, a unique combination of emotion in it because that's my, my palette is like, is like the stronger emotions and like how they can mix and like how that can feel walking around being like half angry and half excited yeah. about the same thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like Cuddy, like how people say Cuddy makes you know happy, sad music and shit. Yeah. Um, but it's more so like the mechanics of it that I <clears throat> that I write about and talk about and juxtapose, like just the juxtaposition of like the things that have gone like like seemingly like just perfect for me and the things that have gone seemingly. The things that make it seem like I, I have like amazing luck and the things that make it seem like I have bad luck mm. and how like and how I feel like how relatable that is. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. how just even perceiving things like that, like it's human. Like we, we feel both whatever good shit and bad shit have. It's the complexity of existing with both those states within you. Like you know, uh, being resilient, being happy, you know, trying to have fun, but at the same time, you know, going through some shit, like everyone goes through shit. Is, is that kind of what that is? Like just holding those two states? Yeah. I, I think, I think the ethos, the Kimbe X ethos is like, it's being centered enough to continue. So it's like with, with, you know, going place to place for, four years, you know, five years, but getting out albums and being able to tour and like picking up drug habits and also having them fall off and going in and out of these difficult mental states. Like the thing I've been able to cling to is like, <clears throat> my whenever is when, like what brings me back 
to reality is when I realized that I'm not like me, Dikembe, me, Kembe, I am not the happiness and elation and mania and like, you know, like extreme, you know, positive feelings that I'm having. And I'm also not, Kembe is not depression. Kembe is not anxiety. Kembe is not OCD. Kembe is not insomnia. Kembe is not, Kembe is not drug addiction or alcoholism. I'm just like experiencing these things that are very fleeting and like depending on what my what my thought pattern is and how I'm telling myself the story, that's gonna be the story of how I've been feeling the last few weeks. <clears throat> that awareness of the fact that I'm in the center of my emotional spectrum. And sometimes I like lean side to side, but if you know, one way or the other, um, I kind of look at emotions like uh if I was surrounded by uh, like a wheel or some shit, you know, like the wheel of fortune wheel. And like, it's always, it's always changing, but like, I'm the center, I'm in the center of the wheel. I'm not whatever emotion is happening at the time. And when I get caught up in those emotions, that's when I make the worst decisions, mm. whether it's, whether it's a positive emotion or a negative emotion, that's when I make the, the, the most Im- like impactful. Some like, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not a bad outcome either, but it's not, it's usually not a good decision because it's an emotional decision, Yeah, you know? And just like how dealing with this over and over again has gotten me more in tune with how my emotions affect my mental state, how, how I see my emotions, how I live through my emotions affects my mental state. The only thing that saves me is like being, being able to find things like going to the gym and like, you know, just leaving out the house for something and talking on the phone and shit, just doing things like that, whether I feel like it or not, because it keeps me grounded and centered mm. and valuing that, you know, because, because I'm still like, you know, I'm like in those center moments, the, the thing that I know when I'm centered is how liable I am to get flung in any direction. You know, the way that uh, I visualize that that wheel is like, a, I don't know if you've ever been on many Ferris wheels, but you know, the Ferris wheel at the bottom, it stops and then everyone gets on and gets off. And if you're yeah. on like one of these other gondolas, you're just stopped at some random point along. And the way that I view it is the Ferris wheel is the my emotional wheel. So when it's at the bottom and yeah. when it's stopped, that's the emotion I have to deal with right now. But I'm not that emotion. I'm not the person on the gondola. I'm the person helping the person, the, the emotion get off the gondola safely, getting the next one on, you know, just dealing with it, but not being it, you know? And I, I think that that's actually, that's a great way of putting it because you're right. When you're in those emotional states, we make fucking impulsive decisions. We make silly decisions and they feel rational at the time. But in hindsight, when we're not in that emotional state anymore, they're confusing or they're annoying or you feel, you know, uh, like you made the wrong call because you're not in that state anymore. And I think when you're making those emotional decisions, you're hundred percent right. It's, it's rarely going to be the big picture thing. It's rarely going to be like a sustainable decision. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. That's what I've put it that way before too. Like I'm not, I am not depressed, but I am at like depression is a location. Joy is a location. So that's, I, I totally agree with that. And like, until, and the thing is, I'm not always cognizant of that. I'm not always looking at it like that. As soon as I look at it like that, I'm free. I'm free from like, 
the clutches of whatever direction this this feeling is trying to pull me in because I know it's a feeling and I'm me and we're separate things. We're just like sharing space right now or whatever. Yeah. I know that sounds that sounds very like a very Martha Stewart way of explaining it, but <laughs> no, nah, man, that's that's very apt. It's very apt. What would you say was those things that were keeping you centered during those earlier years? You know, two thousand and ten or two thousand eleven with the mixtape onwards. Would it be music? Would it be your mental state? Would it be your awareness? Like, is there? It, you know, is there a, a thing that I like a theme that kind of kept you in that centered place that you could always come back to? I think that when I when I turned fifteen, that at that age I started to is when I I learned very fast like how to take accountability. So what would keep me centered is like the the idea that like okay, everything that I do and every and most things that happen to me is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. So at a at a younger age, I think the reason why people, you know, people see me as very mature is because I, I like from a since I was fifteen, I looked at things like, you know, what am what am I doing wrong? What mistake am I making here? And I think back when it was looking like I was either gonna go to school or, you know, or not or get get a job and like, or just like be like everybody else that grew up around me that came before me just like a neighborhood dude you know what kept me grounded was that I know if I took music making music seriously I could do something with it mm-hmm. um and and, and I, I would say I would kind of put it I would almost put it through the lens of like moments that are like extremely lucky <laughs> almost like not not literally lucky but just like elating like when things just come together and go right and then moments that kind of just come together and go wrong and how that is like the emotional state. It's like the things that trigger the emotional states. So I'm focused on the story, you know? Um, so like back then I would, I would say that making music in the, and like the awareness, but also delusion of like autonomy that like, yeah. you know, if I, if I just do everything right, like everything will go right. That's yeah. what, that's, it was that in my head. It was that simple when I was fifteen. You know, I, then I lost my virginity and started getting pussy when I was 16, 17, 18, Major distraction. Yeah. I started to, I started to realize, you know, like I started to feel a little childish. I started to feel like a man child where people looked at me like people seeing a grown ass man and I wasn't. And that shit was that shit was going my way <laughs> and that shit was working against me. Like, yeah, like. I want people to to understand my mood when I laugh and that I laugh. A lot of these darker things I talk about, I sincerely laugh at, Yeah, you know, however dryly it's like the, the concoction of emotions that comes together. I feel like even my tweets and like things that I say sometimes, like the, the way that I be feeling when I say these things and the way that they come off to people is so different because the, just like my, the things that I find funny, and the things that the way that I put shit together in my head to make decisions is probably so like <laughs> I don't know like I'm an ass I'm a little bit of an asshole you know yeah. what I mean? so like I kind of I kind of see everybody like that and I give people this this I'm lenient with people because like I know I'm not the only asshole and like I'm not the only person that's out here being like like halfway no like you know like every we all seem like we have it all together until yeah. we 
ask for help. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And like, even if we might seem like we all have it all together and somebody thinks we're fucking stupid, you know, we fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Until, 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 until we need that person's help. Then we're yeah. there crying to that guy. Yeah. So it's like that, that dichotomy has always been something that I was aware of. Not always, but since I was like 15, it's a lot of things that I started thinking about after that situation with my dad. And maybe it's because I just started to imagine a world where I was like, where I had to fend for myself. Fucking ruthless life actually is when you have, when when nobody cares about you. And then obviously I never had to deal with that, but these are just the types of things I'd think, be thinking about. There's um there's two things in that. The first is I t- I totally hear you with the 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 humor and the laughing and like the way that you deal with that that shit does not translate like on Twitter. You know I've tried yeah, it. No. Every time I try and do that on Twitter, I get hammered. The other thing is like knowing that even it doesn't matter how well you plan for things and how well you do things and and the process it can all go left or it could all go right or it could all go wrong or it could all go great like you never really know how does that impact your process knowing that you've had a lot of luck you've had a lot of bad luck is it a bit scary embarking on something new because you're not sure if it's going to go right or wrong or do you still have confidence that it will go right like I have confidence that it will go right or wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, cause like I have confidence that like my, my confidence is a mood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like I've I've had I've I've done things right and made good decisions. Like I said, me being confident is has made me make bad decisions and good decisions. And some bad decisions have turned out fine, and some good decisions have you, or what I thought was a good decision turned out to be bad decisions. You know, like, like I, everything is such a toss up. Like <clears throat> there's no science or rules to like life. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there is the, there is like the closest thing you can do to almost absolutely have it go somewhere in the realm of success, you know? Mm. But like, I just, I, I count on like, I count on my fallibility and, you know, and also my wit and hap- and like circumstance, you mm. know, like and just how things come together. Because like, if I just judge it by the days when, you know, obviously the, this is the thing too. I'll put this in here too, because what, something that's key is like, if, you, if you're just working as hard as you possibly can, as consciously as you possibly can, because hard is kind of like, working hard is, can be very stupid and like yeah. not, Fully. You know, but like working, if working as consciously as you possibly can and just doing your absolute best, you know, like all around, like that's definitely very, very important to the outcomes and more so even just like the way that, you, you know, even because I'm not downplaying emotion either. It's like all mm-hmm. we have, but it, it contributes to the the density of positive all around positive emotion you have around what you're doing Mm -hmm. even when you even when I still know like how up in the air the outcome is Mm -hmm. I still know that with all my best work and you know everything like that I still don't know how it's gonna come out but I'm not so bothered by that because that's like knowing what day I'm gonna die or some shit like there's just certain shit that's like that's like you leave it up to if the fucking 
you know, if if this time when you get in the car, is it going to be the time you get in a car accident? You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just certain shit about life that's not... I used to I, I used to tell my mom all the time, like, getting... getting Putting your seatbelt on is not going to keep you from dying if you get hit by a bus. You know what I'm saying? Like, it might, you know, but, like, there's some... You know, there's... Or, I saw her like you could be running away from somebody getting. I think this is what it was. You could be running away from somebody pointing a gun at you and step in the street and get hit by a car. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's like, and that's a little fatalist. And I don't, and I don't think I see the world that fatalistically. But it's like just that aspect of randomness about life. Definitely, like, is is something that keeps me centered. Like that, I don't. When I was fifteen, I felt like, oh, if I do this, this will happen. Yeah. And now I know that, that it's not that simple and that I would drive myself crazy being like that. And if I'm if I'm being thorough and work doing my absolute best, you know, like I was saying, and working as as being as as aware as I can, then I can get as close as I can to things going exactly how I intend them to intend them to. You know, and that's the and that's literally just the best that I can do. Like doing doing your best used to mean like, you know, b- being like Kobe. You know what I'm saying? But if like everybody at their best isn't gonna be Kobe, there's a whole bunch of niggas in the NBA that just wasn't that just wasn't Kobe. And that don't mean I don't want to be Kobe, but I I only can find out through, you know, I could be like the Kobe of of intellect and philosophy in in the realm of music yeah you know what i'm saying like in the realm of genre bending hip-hop niggas that stay around and grow little by little every year or or whatever the fuck you know what i'm saying because you know that's also like there's just care there's personality traits i know niggas that's way more obsessed with this music shit than i am but they won't record a song because they're scared yeah like and they have music, like they have music out, and they have fans, and like you know they have like arguably a bigger following than me, but they're so obsessed, you know, they're so afraid, you know what I mean? And like it's just it's like just seeing seeing how these things affect people and how like I just try not I try not to get too convinced by whatever's going on in my head because I it seems I'm always learning something new. And that usually was fucking saving me from going further and further out into the water, whatever the fuck I thought was going on. But see, this is like a rare uh, attitude to have, I think, in modern music where everyone's about algorithms. Everyone's about like, we got to do this and this and, and process. And, you know, everyone's like, we got to work super hard. The harder we work, the more music we get out there. And it, it gives it, it gives you like blinders, I think, when you're in that state, because if, you know, that awareness that you're talking about and that understanding that you're talking about, it's a different kind of confidence when you have that because it's your confidence to know that you'll be able to handle whatever happens because you're ready for it. You know, you're, you're ready for it to go left. You're ready for it to go right. You're ready for it to go right down the middle. It's that whole adage where if you go up to someone on the street and you push them lightly, they'll fall over. But if you say, I'm going to push you, they won't fall over because right. they're pushing back against it. You know, they're ready, they're protected. And I think when you've got these blinders on and you're, I've just got to work hard or I've just got to put out this amount of songs, or I've just got to do this. You you can't see the bigger picture at all. All you can see is the goal at the end. And all you can see is that straight path to that goal. And if you're not fully aware of the process, if you're not fully aware of all the things that could happen that 
if you fail at that goal, it doesn't necessarily mean you did everything wrong along the way. It just may mean yeah. that something random happened, some chance happened or, you know, and I think that that gives like a deeper sense of confidence when you're, you're ready for that and you're aware of that and you're like fully open to the possibility of things not progressing. And you're a thousand percent right about the, the Kobe reference as well, because like a lot of people, they think that they're, they think if they work super hard in one area, they'll become a master at it but it's not necessarily that man. It's like, there's so many other factors that go into it. And I think knowing when to quit or knowing when to deviate or knowing when to like pull back is just as important as working hard. Yeah, no, definitely. Just knowing, just knowing when to, to look around, I think, mm. which you can't do when you, you, you can't do that when you have tunnel. You can't look around. And like, for me, I like, I am obsessive too. But like I'm also scatterbrained, so me being prone to me being me knowing that I'm prone to these catastrophic lows, like I I try to I definitely try to avoid um unless unless I'm I, I try to avoid being like having tunnel vision, and my version of it is just being mindful about everything. That's the best way I could say being mindful and working smart. That's the best way I could put it. Okay. Is there, is there anything else you wanted to to add or to say? Or um, I'm working on a project and and projects, and that's like what that's what a lot of I don't want to I don't want it to be so ambiguous, like um, and I do think I would I want to align this with like the release of this with like maybe the first single off the project because I am I am shopping like these these 10 it's it's either going to be an 11 song project or a seven song project yeah um so like that part of it is definite it's just like i'm not completely locked on the title i'm not completely locked on i have no artwork yet you know but roughly it's called moonshine i do have an intro for it that goes along with the concept of moonshine but i don't know if i'm calling it I, I i wanted to speak about like the 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 coming of music yeah yeah i think um like dolomite and uh they give me voices vibes in the sense of like they're kind of boppy and they're kind of fun whereas i think in the last interview you said uh that you know this the stuff you're doing was straight up dark and i think that this is maybe is dark for sure lyrically um but i think the sonically it sounds a little bit more fun a little bit more upbeat yeah, well, well, Dolomite was that. De- Dolomite is definitely just like a fun song I did with Craig that we just dropped the video to. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, as far as like staring at Jay Dilla, that's just definitely about <clears throat> fucking like how looking at this poster of Jay Dilla made me like not worried about dying in parentheses while I was fucking high as fuck in the studio. And and obviously, outside freestyle has like this very very like deep dark moments yeah but yeah yeah the pro- the project is definitely like it's darker <laughs> people want a, sp- a specific thing like i even saw like with i think it was dolomite uh in the comments someone was like you sound like everyone else now you sound like all the contemporary like giving up yeah and <laughs> yeah. it was like well nah man like this is that was it's a fun song like relax it's okay and that they just wanted i was depressed until i made this or they just wanted voices or they just wanted 
you know, whatever, but like, you know, that's, that's cool. That's their opinion. That's what their preconceived notion is, but it doesn't mean it needs to affect you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bro. <clears throat> I guess like, I guess the, the, the point of, of why I'm, why I'm adding this is just like how faulty it's something my girl says, like emotions are fickle and like feel. And the way I put it is feelings are unreliable. Mm. So, yeah. you know, I can, I can sit down and I can analyze the data of what I've been told and what I've heard about my shit. I can analyze the data that somebody on voices, a few people on voices was like, what happened to this guy? You know, you know, he's, it's like, sounds like trippy red. But then I could also analyze the data that this is the biggest song that I have. And it is factually the most vulnerable work I've written you know, and so what I can conclude is that <clears throat> niggas isn't like those people aren't, some people aren't paying attention. That's it. You know what I'm saying? And they're just talking. And I can take from that whatever I feel like is the most important piece of data. And still, <laughs> going back to earlier, I can, my decision to take the, from that, whatever I take from it is still emotional and it still might be wrong. So it's like, I just can't be so sure ever. That's- that's it. And that brings me peace. That's that's exactly it. That's so right. And you you know your music isn't you as a person. Like if people say I don't yeah. like one song, it's not they're saying they're not saying I don't like Kembe. It's not yeah. like I. They're just like you know they don't like that song or they don't get it. Like a lot of and time. Who, anyway. who are, and who would who would they be to say that they don't like me anyway? Exactly. You know, you know what? You know what? I the the craziest conversation I ever had with a friend once. I was I forget what I posted, but I was getting like death threats. I was getting fully dragged, fully dragged. And I told, I showed her some of the comments, and she said entirely like uh, spontaneously, she's like, "But they don't even know who you are." And I was yeah. really, I was really hurt that day. Like I was down bad because it was really upsetting me. And then I was like, "That's so true." Like all these thousands of people they have no idea of me as a person. And then I just switched my phone off and just hung out with her that yeah. day. And I just got over it and it changed my perspective on a lot of shit. Cause they don't fuck. They don't know, man. They, they just don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really like, it's really like, like who, who are you to, who are you for you to not, for you to say you don't like me to mean anything. Exactly. Because I could, I could say, I could say a wild ass sentence right now. And like, <laughs> It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that like anyone should take anything from it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. No, that's exactly. People, right. just, people talk. Yeah. And it's, it's and sometimes that's just what's happening. Is people, yeah. especially in fucking like rap music, bro, it's just something to talk about. Well, that's it. That's the whole point of like what you're saying is you know once you remove yourself, take that step back. You let them talk. It's like they just got this little echo chamber where they're talking to himself. It's like. You can listen to it if you want, but it doesn't affect you emotionally. And even if it does, you don't have to act on that emotion. And then it loses all power. Exactly. And that's it. That's exactly. the power goes back to you. It just gives you it just yeah, it just gives you it gives you the power of being able to analyze things that you're sensitive about without without drawing conclusions based on the sensitivity. And without acting on it too. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. That's uh is there anything sounds else you good. wanted to add or you you cool you good no yeah sounds good bro that would that actually helped me a lot just personally as well as the piece but like yeah i'm gonna re-listen okay. to that and uh for sure man let me know what's up and then um i'll keep you posted with 
with releases and everything else. All right, cool. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. the beauty of independence is powered by charlie taylor's fifth element podcast network and hip-hop numbers links to everyone's socials can be found in the description the beauty of independence also lives on central source in text form the link will be in the description as always thank you for joining us and stay independent is better